0: Hello, welcome to Trick. I am Jordan dollar Coltman I am joined by Braden dollar Coltman and Elliot Tanti. we are back we were off last week for a very special surprise party for our good friend Braden here uh, Elliot and I were in on it obviously Braden was not as he was the surprise person and Braden on a scale of one to ten how surprised were
1: you oh my goodness it's beyond scale um yeah yeah I was wildly surprised so 10 plus it was it was very special. Uh, very, very special, and great to, ha- great to see you both, uh, Elliot. The um, last time I saw you in person, and Jordan, uh, likewise. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: well, we're here together now, and we are going to talk about uh, baseball, and we are going to talk about some hockey, and we are going to do hats off. But first, let's get to topic one. <laughs> Okay, so topic one this week has been a story that has been continuing to percolate. We actually talked previously on the show about it and the earlier uh, iterations of how it has evolved. Uh, Obviously, it has become much more prevalent to the everyday conversation on sports talk radio, on the networks here in the country. And I'm talking about the the NHL's Pride Nights. So teams uh, have selected days near... Each other. I mean, it's around the time when the Pride season throughout North America begins. Different countries or different cities, I should say, have different scheduled Pride weeks and whatnot. I believe Vancouver is usually one of the last ones in uh, late July, um, but they, you know, they kick off in the East Coast, and it becomes a huge celebration of the LGBTQ plus community. And the NHL in recent years has embraced um an opportunity to celebrate that community to continue uh, on what has become a huge PR push as a league towards um inclusivity and moreover the idea that hockey is for everyone um and we have seen different teams in different places do different types of events for different communities that are more closely related but the pride nights are a league-wide initiative um, but this year, as, we, as I mentioned, we've, and, we, and as we have already talked about, there have been some pushback, uh, specifically individual players who refused to participate or refused to wear the Pride jerseys or the Pride tape. Um, and now we've actually had two teams who have chosen to scrap having their players wear pride uniforms or again show any form of pride support on the ice whatsoever uh, and in their cases this is the Minnesota Wild and the Chicago Blackhawks who in recent weeks claimed that it was for security and safety reasons for their russian born players obviously russia has a very very bad um track record when it comes to uh, equal rights for the lgbtq community in russia there has been some very you know tyrannical laws passed in recent years, uh, outlawing homosexuality and all these kind of things. So those players, I guess, feel at risk, and therefore the teams made that decision. Uh, on top of that, as we, we talked about on this show, Ivan Provorov was sort of the first one um, to come out, if you will, as being a homophobe and choose not to uh, participate and now we've had three more players uh, in recent weeks, James Reimer of the San Jose Sharks, and then both Eric and Mark Stahl of the Florida Panthers, all of which refused to participate in their team's pride nights. So it has become a, a very quickly evolving story. But I would also say on top of the pushback we have seen, we've also seen some teams do some very positive, um, make some very positive efforts to demonstrate their um. Their pride, their their willingness to embrace this opportunity to uh, show their fans in their community that maybe parts of these communi- communities uh, that they support them, that they want this initiative to continue. We saw both Connor McDavid and Zachary Hyman of the Edmonton Oilers speak very uh, eloquently about how they thought these were important events to have. And Hyman specifically, you know, basically said, "I don't understand why anyone would be upset by this. This is a really." beautiful and important initiative. I believe Darnell Nurse also came out and said something along the same line. So we've seen different teams respond in different ways. The San Jose Sharks, even after James Reimer um, chose not to do it, were very forthright as an organization to sort of attack this head on. They posted a whole bunch of things on their Twitter, basically debunking myths surrounding the LGBTQ community and some of the misinformation that has been out there. And all of that to say, it has become a very hot button topic and a very interesting conversation uh, in and around the league and one that I'm sure will continue in in future years. I'll start with you, Elliot. Um, When you saw this begin with Ivan Provarov, I know you were frustrated and disappointed with his choice here, but now that you've seen a few more teams, and the teams part is what I'm really interested in, but when you've seen the reaction and how this is sort of continuing to, to evolve, where do you think this goes from here, and is it time for the league to start to step in?
2: Um. I don't know. It's very difficult to predict right now. I mean, I think what's clear is that the NHL has lost the plot with this. What's happened is that the story is now about who's wearing jerseys, who's not and why. And it's not about hockey being an inclusive sport brawl. And that's a problem if you're the NHL. Um, and so from a public relations PR kind of standpoint, you know, my thinking is the NHL needs to pump the brakes here and rethink, uh, what's happening because with every sort of instance that happens, you know, the the story moves further and further away from what we wanted actually to be or what they want it to actually be. So yes, I do believe they think they should stop, uh, not because, um, I think you should give in to people that are intolerant, but just because from a business standpoint, it's not working from the NHL standpoint right now. Uh, And it's probably leading to more intolerance, to be honest.
0: So are you suggesting Um, that they should move away from having these nights like this? Or what are you suggesting?
2: I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I have a solution right now. I'd have to think about one of the things. I mean, ultimately, this is about getting the story back on track. And so how do you do that? I, I mean, I think the, as long as that these go on, the, the more problems that you're going to have, right? So that's 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 what I would say. Um, I think you know, moving forward, uh, this has been a colossal mess for hockey, and it's reinforced narratives about hockey that we've been talking about in various different themes for a while, namely that hockey has a problem, and it's an intolerance problem. I was a al- I was able to allow for some leeway around Provorov and being russian and the challenge you know the the space that you're in in that sort of space and and it was a sliver of allowance but i I was ready to allow that uh reimer and the stall brothers i I don't i don't have any understanding as to their positions religious or otherwise it's not like um the nhl was calling on on some sort of change to gay marriage or something like that or being political it was about being an open and inclusive space Uh, and so uh, you know, this is this is the, this is the worst case scenario for the NHL. They've it, what was something that was supposed to be celebratory and a market differentiator for them in terms of this pride tape, which by the way, and, and and pride signs, which by the way is an Edmonton invention. Um, instead they've lost the plot on the story and they've, they've exposed a lot. They, they've reinforced the narrative that hockey has a problem. So it's a massive, I don't, I don't know how to answer your questions. I'm just saying this is where they're at right now. And so, yeah, something needs to change. I don't know what it is, uh, but this is, this is a mess for the NHL. I think. So it's
0: interesting because uh, I know Braden and I spoke about this last week and I, I sort of articulated the feeling that I, I do think that there, there, there should always be space for individual people to articulate dissenting views on any anything like that. Right. I mean, we can't really stand here and defend Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the anthem for something he believes in as an act of protest if in the same breath we're going to condemn these players for choosing to, in in essence, you know, protest this this event. They have the right to do that, and I think that that's fair. I do think it gets messy when teams are now starting to do it, and they're using this idea that Russia and these Russian players are somehow endangered, which is interesting, because I'm sure there are a lot of other uh, pro-American elements to everyday culture in those cities that one could also argue is antithetical to the Russian way of life. So it, it gets a little messy for me there. But as I said, I think that there... So it's a two way thing. I don't necessarily agree. I do not agree. I should say very adamantly do not agree with why these players are protesting, but I do believe that they're, they are, they have the right to do so. Braden um, when you look at this whole situation and how it's evolved over the last couple of weeks, where are you left thinking?
1: Uh, I'm thinking about the other theme nights that we've seen ha- happen in the NHL. We've seen, uh, breast cancer night with the purple jerseys. We've seen camo night to support the military. We've seen uh, indigenous night or, or other um, uh, groups within communities uh, to support uh, those people. And at the root and base of all of those things, like Elliot mentioned, this is about inclusion. This is about um, young people and all people seeing uh, the team that they support in their community reflect them and support and celebrate those people so what frustrates me is is when it becomes this thing of of you know these individuals making it about themselves about about their opinions on what they think or, or what they feel about um on you know a night of celebration no one asked them about you know the the night wasn't there for them to um to say what they felt about their opinions. It was there to, to show as an organization and as a league as a whole to say, this is um, we, we, we honor the space that is held for all people to be a part of hockey and, uh, you know, especially in the arenas. And uh, so it, it, it does get messy when it becomes about uh, the, the selfishness of these players saying, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to do this because it's, you know, it's not, it's not something I believe in. Again, you know, I, yeah. I would agree. Do you believe you in breast cancer? Believe... Do you believe in Indigenous yeah. people? Do you believe in the military? Sure. It's like those things are there. It's not sure. but we
0: have a ceremony before every single hockey game that again is is in an, of itself an act of of some form of you know politicization. When we have an anthem and we are again, as I said, like is Colin Kaepernick meant to just sort of accept that the anthem is not about him? and therefore he shouldn't use it, which is obviously a platform. So I, I, I'm of two minds. One is that I don't have to agree with these players for what they believe. In. And I also do believe what they're doing and why they're choosing to do it is incredibly misguided and is lacking the education around the actual issue. I do believe that's true. And the points but of the night too. 100%. Well,
2: and that's, what, that's where I think I jump in on this is, you know, I think the, there's a bunch of misses here and people are going to be assholes hockey players are assholes. Generally they come from, you know, politically a very right-wing leaning position. We know that they've talked about that. We know that that's the game of the hockey, but I think the league has made a massive mistake here and, you know, teeing up these pride nights, every city, every team and clearly hasn't communicated to the players what they actually mean and what they're, what they're meant to, to, to stand for. Cause I think if you talk to players, ahead of the time about this is about inclusion and a safe space and and, and diversity and
1: the
2: the the response is very different but instead it's made to be about the politicization of lgbtqs uh rights and a, a topic that's that's really hot particularly on issues of transgendered lives in the united states right now um and and the point that's not the point we're not having a comment on on uh drag queens reading books to children uh, or the, the ability for two people who love each other to to get married. what we're talking about uh, is just creating safe spaces for everyone uh, despite our political ideology or beliefs. And that was obviously clearly that's clearly not been con- uh, communicated to the players effectively.
0: And even still, I mean even if you communicate that you may still have some dissenters. I would also like to point out we are talking about five players. We're not talking about a mass. Uh, no, that's right. That's issue right. here. It is frustrating that those two teams, specifically Chicago, with the already considerable uh political and PR issues surrounding them as an organization, is one of the teams that has chosen to just outright boycott it. I think, uh, just as a, as yeah, a aren't there Russian players on every, every team? In uh, most the teams, yeah, yeah, <laughs> most teams. Uh, the interesting side note to all of this is I don't know if you know if you saw this, but it, the, the technically the WHL, though junior league doesn't do this it isn't an initiative yet within the league but uh, there was a bit of a fan led let's call it um push for the thunderbirds of seattle to have a pride night and they a lot of the fans basically said we'd love to have a night that does this and so they just organized their own and in fact they just decided one night the season ticket holders all got together online or whatever said hey we're going to do this on march 9th or whatever it was and they came together and they all showed up in rainbow gear. They all showed up with signs and whatnot. And the really cool part was that the players caught wind of it. And again, without formal team endorsement or whatever, they skated their warm up with rainbow tape, which is awesome. And it shows that these kind of initiatives do have a, a reach and that they do make an impact and that communities uh, do see it as a, as a positive opportunity. I want to play you a soundbite. We don't do this often on the show, but I thought it was a really interesting soundbite because. It shows for me a little bit of the progression that is occurring in the sport, uh, again from from within and from what I would consider a member of the old guard. Now, obviously, this is a, an individual who we know has a uh relationship and history with um, a family member who who came out and 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 I think educated him a lot. But I thought it was really eloquently articulated. Uh the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins, Brian Burke, last night on hockey night camp.
1: Well, from my perspective, first off, there's two, there's two areas where that has been a, a matter of dis, dissension or that we're not going to wear the sweater. One is for Russian-born players, and the other is for religious reasons. And with the religious reasons, it just doesn't compute for me. I was born and raised a Catholic. I don't see any conflict between my religious beliefs and the ability to say to the LGBTQ plus community, you're welcome here. That's all Pride Night is. Is you're welcome in our building. They're not asking to sign any forms. Not asking to join any churches. It's about saying this community is valuable and important, and we want to honor them.
0: There you go. I think that was, uh, at least for me, one of the most articulate uh, explain or sort of descriptions of the entire situation that I've heard. And I, I think it's great that it's Brian Burke because he is a member of that old guard, um, but someone who is clearly. Um, continue to allow himself to be educated, continue to grow. I think that 30 years ago, he probably wouldn't have come down in the same way, but obviously with his relationship with his son and and just the way in which that he's continued to become an advocate for uh, that community is fantastic. I think it was exactly my point that I made earlier. I think it's fine. These players disagree with it. I think it's misguided. I think they're missing the point. Um, And that's, I think, also to what Elliot, you're saying sort of to summarize the whole thing about uh, ensuring that the education part is on top of it, that the players who aren't already understanding or embracing the intent behind it, um, to make sure that that continues to happen, I think
1: is also really, really critical here.
0: Any last thoughts, Braden?
1: I want to keep seeing these nights happen. I think that it's really important for the, uh, the NHL, other leagues too, but at the NHL specifically to ensure that the um, uh, that they're doing everything they can to ensure that, um, that pe- all people feel welcome uh, in the game of hockey.
2: I don't know that I want them to come back, honestly. I don't think they should be doing them. I think it's a mark. It's 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 like a marketing ploy for a, an organization who doesn't.
0: It's performative for sure.
2: That doesn't, but that doesn't actually share those values. Interesting. Like I, I don't. I have no reason to
1: believe that hockey is inclusive. So. How do they become inclusive without that kind of thing?
2: Well, I, that's fair. I mean, I don't know chicken and egg kind of thing. I get that 100.
1: percent But I just. Yeah. Because it's not just the organization's belief itself; it's the people who are attending. You want, you want the, the the viewers to be a part of that as well?
2: No, oh, I get that. I get that. But I just, like, I don't know. <clears throat> it's like the black artist at the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. yeah. Colin Kaepernick's still blacklisted, everyone. Like, that, so it's like let's not lose this. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Topic two this week is brought to us by the Ordinary Podcasting Network's merchandise store. You head over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com right now you will see that brand new merchandise has been dropping for the last week and a half new items for a couple of our biggest shows are available. Now you can go find a awesome sweatshirt and hat combo for running down the clock. And the MCU and me podcast has a whole bunch of t-shirts. Trust me, there will be spoilers head over there today to grab something to represent your favorite podcast. Uh, all right. World baseball classic. Uh, Elliot is very excited about this. This was an interesting event. It certainly gained and garnered a lot of attention, which is obviously what its intent was. Um, best on best baseball. We had, uh, literally, I mean, it came down to the arguably the two best players of this generation and Mike Trout and Otani and they were head to head to finish it all off. And Otani, Struck them out. I mean, their teammates in LA, but today they were going, or uh, not today, at the final of the World Baseball Classic, they were going uh, head-to-head for their nations. Elliot, uh, you were the first one who really got uh, us excited about this. Tell us why and why you think this tournament meant so much to so many people.
2: Well, I, I was brought, it was brought to my attention by the fact that I could watch it in 30 minutes through the Sportsnet's, uh, you know, World Championship in 30, like they do with the... Uh, Toronto Blue Jays. It's a really uh, easy way to get a, a, a fairly fulsome view of the a full baseball game that generally goes three hours, which I know is uh, Jordan hates uh, and rightfully so. Um, and uh, it ended up being the semifinal between Japan and Mexico, which was in and of itself an amazing game and a really cool game. And and, and what was great about it was, uh, and then you saw this as they continued on to the finals is it was this mixture of different cultures related to the same game. The way that the Mexicans cheer for their team versus the way that the Japanese cheer versus the way that the Americans cheer and what we're exposed to in the MLB world is just so different. The relationship with the game is different. The style of game is different. The type of player that they value is different. Uh, it was such. It, it was a celebration of baseball, one in which th- that baseball is not – had in a long, 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 long time, and for it to end like it did—two baseball powerhouses, um, two players from the same MLB league, stars in the same uh, in the same league, going up against each other at the final at bat in a three-two game in the top of the ninth—with like it was just—it was so perfect and beautiful and and so celebratory, and it—it's it, just the—it defines, it rivals. The 2010 Olympics, USA, Canada, it's in that it's the definition of what the best players on the best player, uh, uh, best players in a team in a sport can look like and feel like and should be. Um, And it was outstanding. And here we are talking about it. The whole world's talking about it. I mean, you to look at these TV numbers; it's insane, and uh, TV numbers in international settings. What it's done for baseball, I think this might be a defining moment for baseball, honestly. Uh, and and I and I'm on board, and I was there; it was awesome.
0: Uh, Braden, you're obviously uh, a baseball enthusiast. Did this get your juices flowing, or, or how how did it go?
1: <laughs> baseball always gets my juices flowing. That, but but Elliot, this is the second biggest moment in baseball for you this year, because you also became a massive Padres fan. Um, I think that you couldn't have asked for uh, a better, a better classic, like the, just as Elliot teed it up, the the fact that it also came down to the very last pitch um, and Otani's on the mound, trouts at bat Otani's like whipping 103 miles an hour in the ninth inning. Like this is, this is, Prime. This is the the best, the best you'll ever see. Um and it really could have gone either way. Like two powerhouses teams. You look at their lineups. I mean, people probably don't know as many of the Japanese players, but they are very good players playing uh, you know, in all all sorts of leagues around the world. So uh, just fantastic. I, I, I gotta say, I didn't watch too much of the early, uh, the early rounds. Uh, it's always nice to see Canada have a team in a sport that they're not as uh, known for, but uh, you know, team Canada's making their way. They're starting to find some more uh, talent. It's great. Uh, great to have that, that uh, program moving forward, but um, it's always fun. It, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but it, you know, yeah, I'd love to see it in more sports, the the World Classics. It's it's exciting. It's fun. So
0: that was obviously uh, an additional part of this whole story was sort of the reaction from the rest of the sports world. And obviously, if you're an Oilers fan, as we are, we heard the quote from Connor McDavid that kind of went viral about how he, he felt this is what the players have been asking for for years is a best-on-best best tournament. They haven't been in the Olympics in two cycles, um, might not be for three, and we haven't had a World Cup since the last time they tried to resuscitate it and obviously a big part of this right now is geopolitical and that's the fact that i don't think the nhl wants to do this without their russian-born players and they're not going to do that because the iahf is not allowing russian or belarusian players to compete and so there's definitely a lot of like our previous topic there's a lot of politics involved that doesn't necessarily uh it wasn't an issue for the baseball side of it because they didn't have to worry about Russia at all. Anyway, they're not necessarily a powerhouse of baseball. So that wasn't really a factor, but the hockey side of it, it is obviously I think we three would probably all agree. We'd love to see some best and best. And certainly when it's generational, you know, there's players here who you'd like to see compete with each other and against each other. You know, we're talking yeah. about an opportunity to have, you know, a Crosby McDavid team. The chances of that now at the Olympics are pretty much gone um but it would be nice to have some form of tournament that isn't just the world championship or whatever at the end of the year that most of the best players in the world don't go to anyway regardless of whether they're in the playoffs or not it's just not the prestige it doesn't hold the same clout uh it doesn't hold the same kind of uh importance so i guess the question is do you think there's a way for the nhl to find this uh does this event from baseball which obviously i think the nhl does often look to as a Another kind of, you know, they have they have some interesting relationships. Not the least of which is that their commissioner was first in baseball before he came to hockey. Uh, does this is this any kind of impetus? Will the league look for an opportunity to do this, or do you think it's just too difficult at this point, Elliot?
2: Um, well, Daly and Bettman are going to do what Daly and Bettman are going to do. So until we hear it from them, uh, I don't have a lot of hope around it. I mean, there's 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 complications with this. You know, we did see. Uh, an important pitcher for one of the teams I forget now on the American side, you know, take an injury at this event that's going to impact his MLB team. Uh, That's always been a concern with the hockey tournaments as well. Right. right? Uh, The Russia question is apparently an open one. I don't see why, but, uh, uh, you know that has an impact well, on as well too if we're having teams
0: cancel pride nights to protect the Russian players then obviously there's a lot of sensitivity around the Russian issue still
2: well what I, I what I would say is exclude Russia uh Russia and it's just another example of how Russia's falling behind in numerous ways because of the actions of their dictator or president uh war criminal president um for me I, I think you know, So ultimately, we'll have to wait and see. They need to do this, though. I mean, we need a best on best. If anything else, you know, uh, look at going back to what I said earlier. Look at what this is going to do for baseball around the world. We're talking about a catcher from Great Britain right now, right? Like that is that has impacts down the road for these businesses and and these sports. And just from a business standpoint, the NHL is missing out on something uh, on something here. It's very clear. they need. To figure it out and I think that there is an easy solution I think you hold a World Cup event you rush one together for next year because clearly it's what people want uh and don't let Russian pl- players play and uh and that's fine that's just how it is I think that's the solution and that's what needs to get done do I think that's going to happen no way will there be some bullshit excuse about logistics absolutely despite this being the the organization that that figured out two bubbles in 30 days in two different locations during covid yeah it's definitely about wrap. will
0: right it's about will and want and they don't have that right now they don't see it as a revenue generator just so they don't see the the olympics as a revenue generator they have basically pointed out to the olympics that they won't do it unless they get like a 70 40 or 70 30 in their favor cut so i mean it's pretty ridiculous the the way that they've held a gun to the ihf in general and and obviously i don't think that, that will change uh, Braden, uh you want to jump in here
1: before we wrap this up we've had this tournament happen before right like six six seven years ago didn't we the yeah, North American thing Every the... every like decade they try it And then they right. never bring it back So why? Well, wasn't that successful? I thought that was wildly successful I And mean, maybe
0: I'm wrong but... Well, it's a different economic situation That we're currently in And then we're also in a different geopolitical sure. perspective yeah. But yes, I, I agree with you I think there's reason to
1: It seems fun it I work. mean, yeah, you're right The injury thing That's always going to be a problem That was always a problem with the Olympics too But there, there was still so much more value to it Than, you know, the risk of that And Ah oh, man. I, yeah. I'm, I'm fully on board with this thing happening, regardless of all of the other pressures. And, and, yeah, but I'm also, this is this bias is coming from a fan who wants more hockey and who wants what these players are saying is best on best. I want to see that just as much as you know, they want to play in those games. So. Yeah. Well, no, there's, been lots, there's been lots of talk mean, about this. So
2: let's jump in. Sorry, Jordan. It, okay. it, there's lots of talk about this, but you know, the, the players association has a new rep now. And I think, Ultimately, this is going to happen if the players want it to happen. And I'm not convinced that there's an overall, I think the best players do want it. Uh, the Connor McDavid's, to, to, you know, to name one. And by the way, who wouldn't want to see Leon dry against Connor McDavid one-on-one and sort of like a head a matchup. But um uh, it's ultimately going to be down to whether the, the or, uh, players association prioritizes this. That's what I, I really feel. Well, about. and
0: when do you fit it into what is already a, a complicated schedule? Do you do it like the baseball did before your season and risk players missing significant time to injury there uh the olympic challenge has always been it's in february it affects the entire nhl schedule it's interesting i think that there is space though in all of these north american sports for some creative thinking when it comes to how do you feature your players look at european soccer and the additional club uh you know interleague play that exists there and obviously that doesn't work for the nhl or for the nba or even the nfl because there's no competing leagues but there are opportunities for teams to be formed with different players for these kind of specialty tournaments, or even within your own thing where you run a playoff like we normally do. And you have a consolation playoff for the teams that don't make it. And it's like, you know, each team's guaranteed an extra four or five games. There's a revenue generator right there. And you come up with some weird format that's unique or different, whatever it is. I think there is space for, play-in tournaments and all that kind of stuff to exist that don't right now that just take some creative thinking but would be great ways to continue to grow your game to continue to find new audiences for your game and most importantly i think in the nhl's case continue to find ways to showcase your best players because there just isn't i think i said this on this show the other day but espn in the united states i was in seattle for a weekend i was watching the highlights of a the Boston oiler game back in February, end of February, and the you know they do this long spiel on Sports Center about how exciting this matchup was. Best team in the league, Boston Bruins versus the team with the best player in the league, Connor McDavid. They've done the whole setup, showed all the stats, all the graphics. They cut to some footage of the anthems, and they cut to Brett Kulak standing on the bench, and the commentator says, "There he is, Connor McDavid, ready to go." They don't even know <laughs> what the guy looks like.
1: It's because he's got seven in his number.
0: The guy. It, is the best player in the world at his sport and the league's broadcast partner in the united states can't even identify him that tells you all you need to know about how poorly the nhl has done selling these players and there is space and opportunity for them to do a much better job maybe this is it all right that's topic two hey i'm sayer and i love marvel
2: and i'm kaylee and i love someone who loves marvel (laughs)
0: And we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, in release order. There's another order. For Kaylee's first time.
2: And Sayers' 85th.
0: <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU.
2: And me! Sayre's obsessed! And Kaylee's the
1: best! MCU!
0: Okay, we're going to do hats off here to wrap it up if you are new to the show and if you are welcome and thank you for listening. Hats off is a segment where each of us will tip our cap to somebody from around the sporting world that we believe deserves a moment of recognition. I will go first this week and I would like to tip my hat to Juliet uh, Lachunet Hubner. I'm going to say that I tried my best with your last name and I apologize if I butchered wow. it. I think it's French but it's wow. a hard one for me. Uh, was She's the only athlete To qualify for the state championship from her high school, she qualified in a, in an event that is a team event and she won it winning every single event. Every other school had one athlete for each event. She won them all high jump, long jump, uh, the 60 meter hurdles. I believe she also won either in the hundred or 50 meter sprint and the triple jump. So it was like a team track and field event. She was the only qualifying athlete from her high school. She went on to win the state championship by herself wow. that is an incredible feat and probably the first and only time it'll ever happen so my hat goes off to uh juliet she's from ohio high school in ohio congratulations uh what a
2: fantastic fantastic story uh elliot who you got Decath decathenator is that what it is when you do decathlon the decathlon De-cath- well, and, a decathlon. It was like a,
0: it was like a team. You know, like every every school. No, I get, I get it, but it's just... and then they combine the points for the whole team, and her points were better than any individual school. It yeah, it looks like, it,
2: it just but she could de- be a
0: decathlete. Runner. You're right, a decathlete. Yeah,
2: decathlete. Yeah. Uh Okay, my hats off this week go to ECHL goal goalie Ryan Fanti. He's also got a great last name. Um and is a prospect of the Edmonton Oilers scored a goalie goal last night. Uh, or yeah, we always we're always cheer for the good goalie goal. Uh and so hats off to him. And very exciting that he is an Edmonton Oilers prospect. He could play for the Oilers one day, and I could get a fanti jersey, and it would be so close to a tanti jersey. So, <laughs> that would be really good. We gotta get him in. That there.
1: would be really good. My hats going off to the madness that is March. Uh, it's not one individual this week, but um, we've had some wild, wild basketball and just a lot of upsets. It's March Madness is always really exciting when there's Cinderella stories and upsets, and uh, this one has not failed. We don't have a single number one seed or number two yeah. seed or number three seed left in this tournament. Um, the, uh, the final four, as it sits, I do believe – We've got um, uh, Miami. They just pulled off an upset against Texas. Um, We've got uh, Florida Atlantic, which is a school um, in Florida on the Atlantic side. (laughs) The Owls, um, which I don't think they've ever been there. Uh, They're going to be facing off against San Diego State. San
2: Diego, baby.
1: Fun fact. This was Kawhi Leonard's uh, uh, Almemata. university, Almemata. Uh So that's a fifth seed and a ninth seed in the final four. And then we've got Miami uh, against UConn, the Huskies, Kemba Walker's old team, uh, for a four and a five seed. Uh, so we got some really really exciting basketball ahead. Uh, and all of, I mean, any one of these teams to win it is is a uh, is a surprise. There's of all of the brackets there hasn't been a single one that has not been busted. So um, my hat's off to um, March Madness as a whole.
0: All right. Very good. Uh, we will leave it there for now, everybody. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And if you haven't already, please head over to ordinarypodcasts.com. You can find out more about this show or all the other shows available on our network until you hear from us again. That was Hatrick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler-Coltman and Braden Dyler-Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.